0: Welcome to the Farm Lab Forum for Retail and Manufacturing. Uh, this is your host, Dalton O'Neill. We have some amazing guests today. Really excited uh, to talk about the updates and retail manufacturing, everything that's going on here in the great state of Texas. So uh, just for the folks we have right now, uh, Shada, Leah, and Greg, just want to say hello before we start getting into it.
1: Good afternoon, up, Texas. Mm.
0: Hey, go, guys. Greg. Yeah, good afternoon, Texas. Good to see you,
2: everybody. Good to see you again, Leah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Good to see you, Greg. Thanks for having us uh, back on. We love partying with the farm lab.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, and Shada, how are you doing?
3: I'm you doing know? good. I'm excited to be here. This oh, is yeah. uh, obviously a hot subject in Texas right now, and so I think uh, these are great events to get the conversation going in real time, right? It's- so...
0: I mean, we're trying like to think
3: of it. <laughs>
0: I mean, I know we all collectively do better in person, um, you know, but we're, we're making it happen and this is great content to look back on. And we have famous Amos, the juiced up ninja that just
4: tapped in here. How are you doing, man? What up? Awesome. It's been you know, a beautiful day so far.
0: Yeah. We're gonna, we're, we're gonna get right into it. We're live on Facebook. We're here at the lab. We got all the machines around us. I promised the technicians they could keep working behind me just in case something happened. They said, Oh, how much room do you? Have? I said, not that much uh so we are getting busy over here inside the farm labs and uh you know it's just it's just a great time so obviously this one is about retail manufacturing and uh you know there's going to be a lot of different things uh that we can talk about and we have a lot of different guests here everybody's has a different background a lot of actual i mean seasoned veterans here uh for the industry you know amos i remember meeting you in san antonio a while ago when these things were still federally illegal and you guys have just yeah. been plucking, plucking along. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it's just really interesting to get the conversation started uh, with everybody. Why is not everybody just talk about, you know, three or four minutes about what they're involved in, how they're passionate, and, you know, how it – this will eventually lead into a retail manufacturing conversation because everybody does that here. But uh, just kind of what, what our backgrounds are and what we're really focusing on. Maybe you could go first, Amos, because I'm excited to hear about the Ninja Warrior. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yeah, um, for sure. So um, my name is Amos Lozano, and I am the founder of MJ's Hemp, as well as Famous Juice Company, and more recently, the Reupstate Station, um, which is not so much CBD involved, but it's worth mentioning. Um, for MJ's Hemp, we do pre-rolled joints packaged in either hemp paper packaging or hemp plastic dube tubes and uh, we really focus on increasing the demand for the industrial side of the plant through packaging Uh, and we specifically uh, only sell pre-rolls right now with MJ's hemp and with Famous Juice we do raw cannabis juice as well as just raw fruit and vegetable juicing Uh, but now with the availability of local fresh cannabis hemp uh, plants we can actually get our hands on fresh leaves to be able to juice first became passionate about cannabis in 2012 when i discovered the history of cannabis and in turn the history of hemp and discovered mm-hmm. hemp prior to that i had never heard of hemp and i got very excited about the idea of being able to fuel cars off of hemp biofuel and being oh, able yeah. to wear uh, hemp clothing and uh, you know hemp plastics and hempcrete and building with hemp and all these different amazing uses that um unfortunately our government and the powers that be have known about um mm-hmm. for a very long time so i became very passionate about it back then and kind of made it my personal vendetta to like be that voice for the industrial side of the plant and highlighting that side of the plant
0: man it's great and i know we're, we'll dig into a lot more of your ventures and the juice and the reup station cuz i think the whole circular economy conversation is here you know, especially even for industrial hemp, they still require it to be tested. So, you know, it's this testing, retail, manufacturing, it's everything, whether we're building a hemp house or doing, you know, CBD oil. But it's exciting. And uh, Shada, I know everybody, uh, you know, Leah, we're still going to give you time, but everybody knows you. Everybody knows your face. Everybody knows what you're about. <laughs> uh, but Shada, can you tell us a little bit what you're about and, you know, the moves you guys have been making in Austin? We really have a good, you know, San Antonio, Austin, Houston. This is a good, uh, you know, Texas angle here. Could you give us a little bit of your background, Shada, and what you're doing over there at Restart and other things you're working on?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Shada Tarabi. I am the co-founder and CEO of Restart CBD. We are a women-owned, family-owned CBD retailer, really a brand. Uh, We've been in business now going on, I think, a little over two years. We just celebrated our two-year anniversary. So. I say two years, but it really feels like we've been doing this a long time because I think cannabis in Texas is still fairly new. And so you kind of look around and obviously everybody who's launch isn't necessarily still around. So we're learning a lot. We're watching the market evolve and we're just super grateful to have our position here in Austin. So I operate a retail store. I also operate through that brand, an e-commerce site. Um, We sell everything. We manufacture our own products as well as curate high quality products that we've kind of vetted through our brand that we present to consumers in a really education forward, uh, you know, kind of environment. We really want people to be curious. We encourage them to ask questions. We challenge ourselves to constantly be educated on this plant, on this industry, to be involved in conversations like this. Those are, I think, really core aspects about our brand. It's not like, you know, I just want to sell CBD. Uh, I really got into CBD because five, six years ago, I was in a car accident where I was hit by a vehicle as a pedestrian and fractured my pelvis in two places. And I always, you know, have to mention also, I'm, I'm a fan of the full plant, THC included. And so I was consuming weed essentially before the accident. And it was when I was going through the recovery of, you know, steroid injections, pain medications from my doctor, physical therapy that my mother actually introduced me to CBD. Now- Six years ago, nobody was really talking about CBD. There wasn't really a market for CBD that we at least see and experience today where you can ask people questions or tune into a webinar. Like just that information wasn't readily available. So our family really leaned into, you know, being kind of a guinea pig of like, okay, well, why not? Let's try. Let's see what these other cannabinoids can do. And then obviously the CBD market kind of exploded and we found ourselves in a position to launch our brand. Um, But yeah, we're just really excited to be in Austin, really big believers of the plants, really want people to feel educated and confident about cannabis because it's a plant at the end of the day, but a powerful one at that for sure.
0: I mean, the arbitrary limit here, I know that's the, that's the thing that grinds everybody's gears here, but it's like, if you're trying to, to get some CBD relief and it happens to be 0.04% THC, it's like, where's that line? It's just absurd because clearly you were using it for medicinal purposes. So I'm excited to get back to that and everybody's gonna get to talk about their problems they've had with retail and manufacturing. Cause it's, I mean, it's just a journey. I mean, I don't even have products, but I see this all the time of whether it's a bank, whether it's this facilities, different different things. And uh, absolutely. You know it's just, it's just exciting. I know y'all been on a lot of other good panels here lately. It's such great free flow of information. Uh, When you were talking, trying to get information, you couldn't even talk to anybody about this. And now there's somebody in every corner that you could at least have a conversation with about. Um, Right. So it's exciting. And then Leah, I know you're busting um, yourself 24/7, trying to keep up with these things about all these different brands and all these different things. So you know, we'll get into the data side of things later. But can you give the viewers a, a quick update of you know how you spend your time and the the authority you have on learning? of what's going on around here?
1: Sure. Yeah, of course, uh, Hemp Tour's mission is to connect educated consumers with verified brands. So a big part of what we do is on the consumer forward side. And uh, it's a lot of fun, you know, finding out what people know and don't know about CBD, what your general public, you know, the consumer knows. And we're always looking for opportunities to promote that. But on the back side we connect brands and retailers as well together trying to fill in those gaps in the texas supply chain whether it comes to education or making connections uh, employee trainings basically we want to be the stop for brands and retailers to come to when they need information when they need help and support and really support this industry and watch it grow so Super Stoked to be on this panel with uh, we had a great one yesterday too with Shada and Amos. Mm-hmm. and of course, the Farm Labs team are very appreciative that they've put on these, these seminars over the last several months, really providing a lot of up-to-date, accurate information from the leaders in Texas hemp here.
0: I mean I mean, so many things are changing. What's, what happens this day is different from this day. So even if you make a business plan and you try to get it figured out, you have to stay up to date. you have to have somebody networking. Uh, And that's where it's interesting because usually these big expos or these big gatherings, it's kind of a big brain drain. You know, you can tell who knows what, and, and you can, if you're behind, you get caught up really fast. And it's always, you know, something I learned I'll share here. It's like really resource-based. And so we're all so far apart. It's hard to, Hey, are you reading this the same way? Are your lawyers interpreting this the same way mine are? Well, my lawyer says this and I say that. Well, and now we're suing the Texas Supreme court. It's like, what is going on here? And uh, but it's, it's a great time to be in here. You know, it's a great time to uh, talk about it. Greg, before we go into retail manufacturing questions, do you want to touch base on your role here at the Farm Labs and everything you guys have been working on? Multi-state operators out here? I think you might be on mute. Yeah,
2: yep, yep, I'm here. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Farm Labs, we started out in the cannabis space. Um, started in San Diego and then now uh you know we're more and more kind of getting into the cbd space and and hemp market it uh, makes a lot more sense for us and kind of aligns with you know what what we're into and what we believe um and texas is our latest and greatest lab we just opened it's actually one of our largest um all brand new equipment so really excited about it Um, we've got great staff that we've got locally there all all out of the dallas area fort worth area um, really talented uh, PhD uh, chemist and biologist and uh, really excited, you know, just besides working, you know, as an analytic lab giving, you know, test results and certificate of analysis. Uh, we're really excited to work with our clients before and after the testing process to really get them the best possible product and work with all their problems that they have along the way. We've been, been doing this for over 10 years. So, you know, we've pretty much seen it all at least once. Um, and so we're really excited just to bring the support to Texas, and um, we know there's the new rules that are coming out that are um, still, you know, a a little gray and and not very clear in my mind uh, with the Department of Health Services, Um, and, uh, you know, we'll continue to kind of be a resource. We're reached out to DSHS and, you know, trying to get more clarification and um hopefully we'll be able to provide more information to, to our
0: clients and and beyond. Oh man, it's gets uh it's just it's it's so much. I mean talking to you behind the scenes, Greg, when you're like, hey we're testing for this, we're learning about this, how many trying to count exactly what we're testing for, it's hard. You know, it's hard work to even figure these things out. Uh yeah, appreciate your time it's, Yeah, it's just it's constantly changing. I mean it's
2: uh you know new boutique cannabinoids. Um, you know there's uh, genetics and, you know, we're starting to understand a little bit more about plant disease and um, even to packaging is, you know, a, a good point. Uh, we do a lot of package testing for the THC market in California. A lot of the vape pen cartridges that are bought overseas, um, they test hot for lead. You know, there's wow. uh, the gummed edges on on the joint uh, papers are testing hot for residual solvents. Um, the the crutches that are put in joints and so we've just seen a lot of the packaging can actually leach into the product and um, you know that's caused on with california rules and regulations has caused issues so we know that we're going to see similar cbd it's a, a different cannabinoid but packaging and and the process is, is very very similar
0: yeah that's uh that's a good that's a good grasp to see kind of what kind of folks and high-powered individuals we're dealing with here I think we got a great group of people. And, you know, when I was talking to Greg, we we were talking about doing farm lab forums, different areas, different subsectors of, you know, the entire industry and retail manufacturing is so huge. And I know just talking to everybody individually, everyone's had their own troubles with different different retail laws, with different manufacturing laws. So, you know, maybe we could just roll down, roll down the sign of the the, not the worst story, but just something you've learned about retail, like kind of like, Something that you've learned through the process that that was hard, that was like, oh, I learned this. It it, it took so much time, or the law, the laws changed, or the banks changed. You know, something like that. Could you uh, could you start off with those amos? Because I know you've been pioneering this before banks were even a thing.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, let's see. Where do I start? Uh, we launched, you know, um, MJ's as a pre-roll brand. I guess it was November, December of twenty eighteen. And uh, we were actually making our pre-rolls in the back room of Alamo Botanicals, which was the first CBD store to open here in San Antonio. And then quickly, you know, it was just, we needed to have our own space within a, couple, within a month or two. Um, got our own space. And then we ended up linking up through, uh, you know, Rick, right? Dalton, I think everybody here is familiar with Rick. Um, through some people in his network, we got in with some distributors, Um, that were dealing on the smoke shop and like gas station side. And pretty quickly uh, it was apparent that these guys don't really know much about cannabis. Um, They're, they're definitely just in it for the money. And um, which is like, it's tricky because there are a lot of people in this industry that are that way. And it doesn't mean that they don't have something of value to offer the industry. Um, But You just kind of got to like take it with a grain of salt type of thing and like fill out these people to see if they're the right ones to work with. But uh, not to go into too much detail of it. Basically we had to scale up very, very quickly. Um, So we we went from producing maybe 1,800 joints a week to um, we had a 20,000 joint order come in and we needed to have it fulfilled by Thursday. And it was, it was a Monday and I'm like, dude, that's an insane expectation. He's like, well, we either got to make it happen or we're going to lose the deal. And I'm like, okay. So there's a lot of challenges in manufacturing, especially when you talk about manufacturing at scale. And then when you're working with partners that have these crazy expectations. So obviously making 20,000 joints in three days, there were no, um, there were not enough, at, like there were no SLPs in place. There was no. There was very, very little quality control. There was very. We just had to make it happen, and we did. It was crazy. We got like we. Literally, it's like that's like a hundred pounds of flour that we need to fulfill that. So we had a hundred pounds of flour overnighted, and then it's like, yo, we need twenty thousand cones, like you know, cones to fill these. So we call, got better 20, call raw
0: direct. Call that guy. Say, come on with it. <laughs>
4: So that, that's another thing, right? Raw was actually on back order for like six months. So you couldn't even get raw papers at the, or raw cones at the time. So I had to go through another company. So finding sourcing for these raw materials is another, you know, challenge. So then we got 20,000 cones overnighted. And then uh, what they wanted was like basically boxes of a hundred count, half gram, um, joints that they could sell like at the point of sale individually. And, um, I'm like, okay, well, what, what are these boxes? What are we, what are you going to use and where are we going to get them? So then there's that sourcing. All this had to happen in a matter of like eight hours and have it ordered <laughs> and overnighted by tomorrow and then get it. And then it was just like put out a message to all of my people that I know that are interested in cannabis. and like, hey, do you want to help us twist joints? We'll pay you like $10 an hour just to come and like, twist up joints. Like and, come on and, with uh, it. We, yeah, dude. So we had like, Friends and friends of friends like come in and just start, like, all right, here's what you're going to be doing. You're going to be twisting joints. So you got to weigh them out uh, as much as you can. If you notice that it's kind of like, you know, pretty much on, then go ahead and twist it up. So it was crazy, man. It was like, it was just insanity having like a dozen people in a converted office space just like pumping out thousands of joints. But uh, I learned a lot. You know, it's definitely not the way I would have wanted to do it. Um, but then that brought in a lot of revenue that then we could reinvest back into like, okay, let's get, let's get some more, our better systems in place. Um, the unfortunate thing about it was those partners still had this very like fast expectation. You know, it's just their way of doing business and they don't understand that this is a brand new industry and we're creating everything yeah, from scratch and we can't really move that quick and produce a quality consistent product. So Literally we fulfilled that order. Right. And then two days later, another one, 30,000 joints. And I'm like, dude, we barely made it. We're like <laughs> trying to catch our breath after like doing that. We had an 18 hour day where we worked till four in the morning at one point. Um, and then of course the complaints started coming, you know, of like, Hey, you're the, some of the joints are, are longer than others. Some are shorter. And I'm like, yeah, what do you expect? You needed 20,000 joints in three days. What do you think is going to happen? We have no time to make sure that all these joints are going to be on. So if you, it's one or the other, right? Like if you want us to fulfill this giant order in such a short period of time, then you, that's just, it doesn't matter what your industry is. It doesn't matter what you do. If you're going to have high quantity with a short period of time, quality is going to sacrifice. Yeah. And I'm like, but if you want us to be more consistent and have that higher quality, then you need to give us the time to do yeah. it. So that's just a little bit of insight into like last summer and what was going on. We ended up splitting from those guys because they were not really good partners, even though they did generate a lot of revenue for us.
0: I see. Well, that's better. It's better to have the good clients that'll work with you and understand, you know, the bottlenecks, you know, of like these things. And also, don't hit us up the the week before a music festival, needing, uh, you know, everybody. <laughs> like, yeah, like, for sure. Hey, we got Wiz Khalifa's house. Like you knew Wiz was coming. Like you knew he was coming down there, and. <laughs> Just quick shout out to Rick Martinez down there at Green Seed or, or Norway, wherever that guy's moving around at right now, because that event in San Antonio did cultivate great relationships. It's one of those things that's like, you know, sure. the, the hashtag, if you know, you know, thing. it's like, oh, were you in San Antonio? It's like, yeah, we were in San Antonio. Uh, and I want to circle back on, <laughs> on San Antonio is a really good uh, cannabis and hemp hub. And I'd love to touch base on that later, uh, Amos. So you can speak on that. But uh, Shada, will you tell us, I'm, I'm a retailer manufacturer, it's hard to follow up. 20 to 30,000 joint orders and you know I know that's hard but will you will you give us a retail manufacturing story of something that you've been through firsthand here in this Texas uh, industry?
3: Yeah, I think what hits the most home for me is the idea of like retail, you're getting your product in front of consumers, right? So as a brand with a product, you have a few different avenues. You can wholesale, kind of like what Amos was saying, he was distributing his product through other people's retail stores. I actually when we launched Restart, because I am a child of the internet, I was like, you know what? I come from corporate digital tech. I come from e-commerce and platform. That is my personal background and expertise. I'm just gonna build a CBD store on e-commerce. Like what's so difficult about that? And and to frame it, you know, it's a challenge now if you're trying to be online in cannabis two years ago my naive mind was like well duh you know there's there's platforms there's shopify square paypal someone will take my money and someone will let me sell my products on the internet so that was a very abrupt realization i will say we managed to find a solution so for me it was um, a decision to take our brand direct to consumer so we knew that we did not want to be distributed through other people we knew we wanted to be direct um, and sell our own products and so from that perspective it was just like what is the right solution because i used to work in wordpress i'm a really big advocate of open source and so i think to kind of you know paint a picture for people shopify as an e-commerce platform is now saying they are open for cbd products however the flip side of that coin is not all CBD products are allowed to be on their platform. And so I think if you're a new brand and you're like, Oh my gosh, I want to get into CBD or I need to be online. You have all these like thoughts that you're trying to go through of one, can I even be on this platform Two, how am I going to take people's money? Three, can my products even be sitting on here? And I think there's a lot of people both in big companies and small companies externally who look at CBD as, ooh, what a shiny opportunity. I've had people from banks tell me they could support me as a payment merchant. They couldn't, they looked at my website and realized I was selling CBD and then they had to pull out of the deal essentially. And so, you know, there's a lot of aspects to that story. There's what platform can I be on to have my products sit on? What payment merchant can I be using? And then another area of pain for us was not only did I have online, but we quickly realized two years ago when we were launching, not only was it hard for me to be online running an e commerce CBD shop, but it was from a consumer perspective a very um, uncomfortable exercise for them. They had so many questions, they didn't know what CBD was. When we launched, we were uh, right before it was Texas legal. So it had just become federally legal in June. We launched in August of 2018. Texas didn't hit until 2019. So we were in this gray area of like, well, it's federally legal, but it's not so much legal in my state, but online's really difficult. So let's try retail. And so we lucked out um, kind of setting up pop-up shops in Austin. I think that's where we started getting our footing was um, I'm really all about branding. So from a retail perspective as well, you know, like what is that user experience? And so understanding that most consumers had questions about products they didn't know what they were you know buying they obviously we all know that the industry is unregulated and so that is a concern that I think consumers are starting to understand or at least then we're starting to understand and at least like bring that feedback back to us of you know we noticed people would buy from us after these pop-ups online after they had met us but online wasn't really picking up and so that's when we leaned into actually physical retail which is a whole other ball game for kind of selling your products, of course. And I think um, maintaining a retail, a physical space, of course, is another added layer. But I think for us navigating that in the early years of obviously CBD being legal at a federal level, not quite being legal in our state, there was no one who I was looking around and saying like, oh, these people opened and they sell these products. And like, oh, who's your payment merchant? And how do you integrate with the POS system to keep track of inventory? Like. Those all, I think to somebody listening who might start a business, not in cannabis, those are sometimes a little bit you know easier things to plug and play, but not easy by any means. It's difficult to start a business, but when you're doing it in CBD, where it's like, this is legal, but still these platforms and these players won't actually support me. And then you look at, it and you're like, there's actually not a lot of solutions. And then you're looking around at like, well, how are they doing it? And, and I think, you know, it's just, we're all learning as we go. And so I don't know if there's like a punctuation to that story, but we're super grateful that we've been um, able to navigate it. I think that we are in an exciting space, especially given, you know, COVID times, I think it's pushed this industry online faster, um, which is forcing some of these platforms to open up to play with our industry. But yeah, it's kind of like, you just have to do your homework and talk around. I think you were mentioning, like going to these conferences. I think that's a really Um, healthy way for people to understand and explore what are options and and to kind of I guess maybe the punctuation is we all have sold different ways different products you know Leah you know you do events physical experiences Amos you're going through like distributing and wholesale I have like this direct-to-consumer approach but like what are we learning from each other and then like how do you apply that That expertise, but in your own way. Like, there's no like, I don't want to like copy and paste if that makes sense. It's like what you go through, I can learn from, but it probably won't work out the same for you. You know, there's just a lot of variables that I think people need to be aware of in this industry. Like you said, it's like you can't take your foot off the gas or you can't take your hand off the steering wheel because the moment you turn away, something does change. And I think you have to be, you mentioned earlier too, having a business plan. It's kind of (laughs) laughable. Like I have one, but yeah, like it's constantly evolving just based on the laws. Like I know a lot of us, you know, deal with smokables yay until february 2021 but like what the hell is gonna happen february 2nd (laughs) 2021 you know like we don't know what that unknown is and so it's like kind of exhale so i've like exhaled for a couple you know days but i know that you know we're gonna have to get back up and be ready to just kind of keep having that conversation it's just like the the
2: internal struggle of the
0: business plan is real (laughs) i mean what you have to just
3: embrace it
0: (laughs) Well, it's good to have somebody like you here too, Greg, just to talk about things, you know, being a multi-state operator, being in the cannabis space for a while, you're opening up Texas, you know, have, wearing Texas Proud on your hat. You know, it's just coming in with these different states, these different law regulations, it's tough. I mean, you know, is this, has Texas been, so far, I know it's still an evolving game, but are there any states that our movement's kind of mimicking or the way it. the laws are rolling out or –
2: I mean, Texas has been the most surprising of all states. I've rolled out California, Washington, Hawaii, you know, and uh, I, you know, we did not expect TSHs to come in um, and and be the first to put rules and regulations for CBD products sold in the state of Texas. That was a huge surprise to us. Um, And I think, you know, the the TDA, um, you know, they've done a really good job. Thus far, I mean, kind of for for being, you know, so new and and getting it done so quick, they had such limited time. I think they did a pretty good job, but there's still a lot of things that needs to be clarified. And some things that just don't make sense, like the transport fees, um, I think are really cumbersome. I think it um, really kind of deters people from monitoring their crop and ensuring that they're legal and staying under the 0.3% threshold. Because it just comes, it's cost prohibitive at that time with these excessive fees that are placed on the transport. Um, So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with the new rules and regulations that are coming for the DEA in 2021. And if the state of Texas or the TDA is going to actually submit their own plan to USDA or if they're going to harmonize with the rules and regulations set forth by DEA.
0: It'll be interesting to see what happens. It, 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 that's, that's a good point. And Shade, I want to go back. I want Leah to tell us a manufacturing story because I know she probably has like 45 at this point. But uh, you mentioned something, you know, and, and and then it's something Amos said too, you know, certain people are in it for money and it's not always a bad deal. They might bring something to the table that helps everybody. Uh, but when we aren't able to meet in person, it's hard to get this, it's hard to smart learn. You know, we're all machine learning mm-hmm. with each other and there's a group of people and that's why it's really good not to pull a page out of Gary Vee's book, but be empathy, being nice to people. You know, when you go to the expo floor and you see somebody you like, or that shared information to you and you have a golden nugget, you want to share it with them. Okay. But if you see somebody that's consistently mean, consistently rude, only they're trying to make money, never trying to uplift your brand. You know, there's, there's a network of people that all share information with each other. And it's like literally if you're scuba diving, it's visibility zero or visibility like 80, you know, and, we're not 100 yet because the government's in the way. But, you know, once the government gets out of the way, it just I just want to share that because for me personally, it's been so hard to learn these things and it's so uncertain until you have a good friend, until you have a brand that you respect. It's like, hey, this is how it's going. This is how I'm manufacturing. You know, if all you see is Amos selling 30,000 joints, I'm at home wondering how is this going on? But Amos is telling us we're working 18 hours a day. We're calling people. We're doing things. It's exactly how it sounds, you know? So it's cool to have collaborative effort. Um, I forgot, Greg, you said it once like collaborate and compete. It's like the same thing. You know, we can compete and collaborate at the same time. I just want to bring that up because as these expos and things start to open up, you know, if we were having to learn digitally during Corona, it's hard to jump into this industry only digitally with no friends or no connections. I mean, that's tough. That's hard to do. So uh, I just wanted to share that as a personal testimony because that's where we thrive. But going back to the retail manufacturing side, Lee, I know you consult a lot of brands on what they're doing on what they're selling. You know some people sell gummies some people don't could you tell us your you know most horrible or one of the most horrible retails and manufacturing stories of whether they got the laws change on at the last second or qr code something that really should terrify folks out there
1: yeah for sure well kind of getting into the industry we got in through an investment opportunity uh in some isolate flipping which i didn't know what that was it was 2017 uh, so that could definitely be a whole story onto itself. Needless to say, it ended with legal action and uh, us having to admit to our attorney that we were dabbling in the hemp industry and him being like, oh, my God, please, no, just run away, you know, uh, but he was like, you're not my only client, so I'll, I'll deal with it. But why do you want to do this? And, you know, really boiled down to we were very intrigued by the possibilities of this plant and being part of something so early on. You know, most industries are so well formed, so to get to kind of be a part of this base of growing, this was was very appealing and exciting to us for whatever reason back then. And uh, but it's been a lot of fun. But I would say going back to Greg's point, one of the most interesting consulting cases that we've had was uh, with the water soluble product that was in a can. That you know the 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 product tested out fine over the first six months. And then all of a sudden there were no cannabinoids in it after six months. And so uh, basically what had happened was an interaction with that can lining that was absorbing the CBD into the lining. And uh, we got to the bottom of it, but it was quite a large order that that customer had already done placed. And, you know, it's just a matter of the co-packer not being familiar and not asking the right questions about the product that was going in and getting mixed in there so I think it's a very important point to make sure that yourself or your co-packer is using the right materials when it comes to plastics that is not going to absorb those cannabinoids in and specifically when they're oil-based too we saw a lot of plastic droppers in the beginning and you know nine months in they're gone so the shelf life Yikes. of CBD is much longer than that. Uh, so you want to make sure that you're using packaging that's going to last the life of that shelf life of the CBD Lita, for was sure. That or whatever nan- whatever.
2: Was that product micro, micro-encapsulated?
1: Yeah it was. It was uh, not quite nano level. I forget no. the exact uh, size of the particle but uh, it was getting down there pretty low.
2: There's like the na- like nano-encapsulation there's very few labs that can get that right. And some, a lot of labs claim they can do it. Um, I'll tell you at farm labs we're, we're still trying to refine our method. We've worked with a lot of labs out there all over the nation and um, it is very difficult to do on an HPLC. I'll, I will, I'll leave you at that. So it is, um, that is a tough product to test. So maybe, you know, maybe there are some issues with testing as well, but that's interesting that it had to do with the, at the end of the day, the lining. Yeah,
1: that's a great point, Greg, because we did have that in another scenario where basically, you know, the same product uh, being split into three sample sizes was all testing different and it was an issue with that lab's ability because of the, you know, small size of that particle to actually get a good read on it. Yeah,
2: there's, um, yeah, HPLC is just not suited, you know, frankly for that, so, um, but there are a few labs that can do it and we're refining our method as we speak right now so hopefully we'll be able to do that at all of our labs across the nation shortly
0: Well, we've got we've got to love the transparency coming from the farm labs too i liked it when they were talking about texas being one of their biggest facilities uh you know you learn things in other states i was talking to a pretty prominent grower up in oklahoma yesterday uh they were coming through dallas for some things they said look we're still trying to stabilize things. We're still trying to get things going. Anybody that says they have these certain things stabilized, you know, ask questions, you know, especially at these. The one bad thing about expos, everybody's telling each other hemp seed in, in the, the parking lot. Okay. Thinking it's going to be, I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the, the not so great things. If everyone,
2: if anyone tells you that the testing is easy, then I would question it immediately because it's, uh, it's extremely difficult. Any lab that says no
0: problem. To everything you say, I I would question. I just, I appreciate the transparency here where we say, hey, we're still working on things or, hey, we're trying to figure that out. You know, people aren't just, you know, we got to build this industry. Uh, You know, something Greg said from the very beginning, the farmers have to be the first ones to win. You know, this whole thing trickles down. So we've got to take care of each other in the supply chain. We did see a special guest, Bo. Bo Rillo just come in here. I don't know if he's on the farm or not. Um, Are you still with us, Bo? You want to say hi to everybody looking around?
5: Hey, everybody. How are we doing today? Yeah, I'm just up here in Oregon. We're in it's the a- middle of harvesting all of our uh, – finishing our second round of depths, light depths.
0: It is a Farm Lab Forum Friday, Bo. Show us what you're yeah. looking at.
5: Um, I'm just looking at the field right now. <laughs> but this is just – I'm just out in front of my office right now. Um, I'll, uh, I'll make my way over to the field in a little bit, and uh, we can add that so you can see what we're dealing with. I know Andrew will be
0: joining us. Andrew will be joining us hopefully pretty soon on a farm as well. Uh, we're excited for the Farm Lab forums to be more interactive. You know, maybe we'll have to get you back on here, Amos, next time you're down there making some uh, hemp juice uh, because that's always pretty exciting. Uh, what's, uh, what's going on What's going on in your world, Bo? You know, what's, uh, what's updated? What have you been hearing on Texas?
5: Uh, with Texas, there's so much good stuff going on. You know, I recently joined up with a group, uh, North Texas Ag Growers and um and and a lot of the stuff people are bringing in their harvest and their greenhouses i know eddie who we had on uh the last panel he's he's starting to bring in his harvest really exciting stuff uh really quality quality high-end flowers coming out you know um, you're seeing a lot of the skill set a lot of these people that have translated over or crossed over from other industries are still doing really well but they're putting in the hours they're putting in the dedication mm-hmm. you know and uh and it's shining through in their products we're really excited about this upcoming harvest in texas seeing a lot of really good stuff out there that's hey, that's what we'll, we'll a actually know you, oh, you guys
4: okay. um i know oregon's been ahead in the growing game for a little while um as far as like both hemp and marijuana but i was curious if you know any farmers there in oregon that are growing for seed uh for like protein and seed oil
5: Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, it's not, it hasn't taken a huge, huge flight yet. Um, You know, I know that that's a project that we're dedicating a lot of our efforts into more the commercialization side of the hemp industry, Um, you know, and even uh, looking into Texas and starting up a cooperative down there that's going to deal with, you know, animal feed needs um, and uh, bioplastics and stuff like that you know, a lot of the stuff what's happening in Oregon right now is all in formulaic development. And so people are, you know, 25 acres is dedicated to this and 50s dedicated to that. And, and starting to actually, you know, have enough bulk to build scale, to wrap machinery around, you know, existing crops. And, you know, but once you get a big enough machine, you have to feed the animal. Right. Um, and so that's been a big thing is uh, a lot of people are developing small format, um, you know, and had been, um, um, since, uh, since the beginning with the, uh, the state's, uh, rollout of, of pilot programs and working with universities, there's a lot of really good research that's been done already to this point. Um, the biggest challenge is going to come into the scalability and where these industrial and commercial needs for hemp and, and, uh, and it's many products, um, is going to, you know, to really feed the market. I mean, we're talking in, we're talking like trillions market, right? I mean, this thing is going to be so big. It hasn't even we haven't even imagined where it's going to go yet. It's that big, you know, and so um, a lot of that is that, you know, there's a middle growing period that's occurring right now. You know, there's some uh, mergers and acquisitions, but it's really a middle growing period where people are refining their products and prepping them um, to be to be commercially presented properly um you know Mm. a lot of the guys we're working with we're going to be working with in texas they're going to be basing on farmers um you know growing similar crops that they had grown like cotton and uh they're getting into structural steel and and really exciting things um replacing and disrupting other industries Mm. um and and so you know really ultimately like even in a seed production level we are nowhere near where we need to be in seed production um because there's going to be a massive growth period once you know these formulas and these uh you know all of the research is is finally coming in and then machinery is being built to support you know what this massive commercial monster is going to be uh we're not even there yet you know we're just scratching into this with uh you know even materials that like um, you know, with shredding of, of hemp stock and using that for insulation and uh, dry mold, um, um, you know, like molding type situations as well where, you know, we're, we're pressing out uh, objects and packaging and all of these things. Um, we can't even come close to the existing technologies and, and, and which makes the price point not balance well. And so to get to where, you know, the same insulation and the cost for that insulation um, needs to be paired with what current insulation costs or nobody's going to buy it. You know, there's there has to be a price limitation, even with, uh, you know, as as much as you can be granola and activist, you still have to realize that you're up against an industrial monster and you got to bring the price down. And so, you know, it's sometimes you want to learn, fail small so you can succeed big. And so we're seeing a lot of that, but there's definitely um, a lot of research going in, I guess is a long answer. That was a really long answer to your question. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of <laughs> projects going that, are, that are they're focusing on those types of entities and, and bringing those to the space. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely
0: it's good to have uh, different perspectives on here, you know, just cause sitting here in Texas, you learn about these other things. Oh, that's cool happening. That's cool. And you know, Bo's actually out there in the front, the front lines of things. And uh, you know, it's just, it's just wild, honestly, everything that's happening here. Kind of, kind of circling back to the, the manufacturing and retail. Lee, I know you consult a lot of clients on keeping people updated. What's happening. What's the number one question retailers have right now consistently about Just certain things?
1: Uh, Delta 8, definitely. You know, there's a lot of, uh, I think you said it earlier, like my attorney thinks this, yours thinks that, and there's definitely a lot of that going on. Um, So, you know, it's kind of a risk thing. It really depends on the county that you're in, how they deal with THC products. We're in Travis County. So, obviously, we have a lot more leeway on these types of products. Uh, Versus, you know, say like a a Fort Worth, Tarrant County, or something like that. So, D8 is the hot product. Every, all the consumers want it and all the retailers want to sell it, but, you know, none of the legal counsel or insurers want to see it around. So, So we'll see how it plays out.
0: We've
2: been neck deep in D8 for probably the last six months. Um, I mean, Florida, Oklahoma, North Carolina, we've been on the phone with a lot of regulators. Uh, talking with the state of Florida, trying to help their lab and their, their uh, DA district attorney's office understand the chromatograms because they have their own HPLCs. They're actually in Carolina. We had a few clients that we saved them from going to jail um, where it's just an unknown. They, um, there's some unknown peaks, you know, and they're, they're trying to figure out it's an isomer of D9. Well, is that considered D9? No, it's a different, different chemical compound. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a super gray area and it's been a, just a huge market. It's, I think, you know, it might go away, but I think there'll be another cannabinoid right behind it. So I think it's to be the whack-a-mole game of boutique cannabinoids here for the next five years is what I'm, what I'm
1: thinking. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that.
0: What is the next cannabinoid? Oh, you go, Leah.
1: Oh, sorry. I was just going to ask Greg. Are there some issues around trying to uh, test D8? I've heard like it can be difficult.
0: There is. There's a lot of
2: labs that don't have good separation with their HPLC and they're getting what they think is a Delta 9 peak. Um, And if you don't get good separation, there's, you know, we've worked with Proverde labs, labs in uh, ACS lab, I believe in Florida. We are finally collaborating for the last 10 years. Labs would not talk. They wouldn't share methodology It was, you know, good luck. Well, we'll see you at the finish line. And now, you know, the ones that are left are finally collaborating. So, you know, what we're seeing is if you don't have good separation, there's a few things It might, um, you might see a Delta nine peak that might be an unknown or a D Delta 10 or another isomer. Um, also we're seeing, um, some of, you know, the unknowns getting lumped into Delta eight and Having a much higher concentration than it really is, so um, you know in mass spectrometry and an MS and LCMS GCMS is not suitable if you're looking at ions. You know we're looking at parent daughter relations and there's certain ions and the ions that you look at from a mass spec of delta nine is very similar, if not almost identical to delta eight because you know again it's an isomer. And then we have um, you know the same issue when we are trying to look at a DAD, a diode array detector. So there's different detectors on HPLCs. They're not all created equal. Some people have a variable wave detector, a VWD. At Farm Labs, we run a DAD, a diode array detector, and that can actually show the signature of uh, CBD, THC, Delta-8. It has a unique signature that we can confirm and know that that is exactly what peak we're looking at, that that is Delta-8, Delta-9, along with other you know, um, internal standards and other things that we run, you know, with every 10 samples, every batch that we run. Um, but the, from the DAD, the, the signature of the D8 and D9 are almost identical, exactly identical. So you can't use a DAD, a diode array detector either. So it really comes down to good, uh, you know, chromatography and really good separation and really developing your method specific for that Delta 8. And so a lot of labs haven't done that and samples that are going around or some labs say there's no Delta-9 and some say there is. So that can be a huge problem with legalities and shipping it around. And I think that's what's creating the issue. And then the follow-up question, okay, is Delta-8 part of Delta-9 and it's coming from Delta-9, so is it legal? That's what I think we're hearing. The next cannabinoid, I mean, CBN. CBN's been around a while, but I think they're getting... People are getting more interested in it. It um, seems to be good for sleep and, and other things. And I know Bo's still on, um, I, I know he's uh, been following up on a lot of these boutique cannabinoids as well. CBG, obviously, um, we're seeing that a lot of hemp farmers are starting to grow CBG-rich strains. And then there's CBLs and CBCs and cannabichrome. And you know, there's, a, I believe, over 86 different cannabinoids. You know, we test 16 of them currently at farm labs. So we got a a lot of cannabinoids to research and and learn about.
0: I mean, seeing them all mix in, I feel like this is something Amos and Shada both pay attention to. Because I know you're always pushing the boundaries, Amos. And Shada, you're so so health and wellness. Uh, You know, all these different cannabinoids working together. Is there any one cannabinoid that you guys are excited first? Maybe you first, Amos, and then Shada? Uh,
4: Any one cannabinoid? I can't say that there's any one that like particularly uh, excites me or anything. Uh, I think, you know, I'm about that entourage effect. Like let's get them all. Uh, Let's get a full, full spectrum because that's how the plant grows and it grows that way because it has Mm. its own, its own type of intelligence. You know, nature has its own type of intelligence and there's a reason why the plant grows with all those different cannabinoids and terpenes present. Um, So, I'm really about like when it comes to using it therapeutically medicinally like let's let's get them all um however i do recognize that there are people that could benefit from having higher doses of certain uh cannabinoids like you know people that suffer from insomnia it's it's looking like cbn is probably going to be more effective for them than just cbd um, but i would think that cbn with some CBD and some of the other cannabinoids is going to be better than just CBN by itself.
0: But um, No, that's that. We appreciate that answer. And Shada, we'll get to you in a sec, but Bo, I see you over here by the hoop houses, you know, is you got, you got something to tell us about CBN or what we're looking at right
5: now. Uh, you know what I, and I, I would agree with, uh, the last statement in that, um, you know, what I'm most excited about is the case study development where they're using particular combinations of terpenes and cannabinoids and targeting certain um, deficiencies in the human um, health, right? That's what I'm excited about, is where we're, the industry's starting to really understand and value the entourage effect and how everybody matters in that house, right? It's not just one, uh, one cannabinoid over another and not one, there's not one cure-all to everything. It's really about the balance and how everything is brought together in order to, to be an overall health, right? That entourage is so critical. The terpenes are critical. The cannabinoids are critical. Um, even, you know, there's so many parts that are part of the overall human health factor. And I'm, I'm just excited about the case studies that are going to be coming down the pipe that are going to really push this plant into a medicinal format under, under real guidelines that actually build and health, a uh, combination him. factor. Yeah, I don't. We're, we're using you know, genetic sequence, um, and tracking them.
0: Bose, Bo's Bose farm Wi-Fi isn't necessarily the best, but I think we were getting the gist yeah. of what he was saying. Would, <laughs> you guys
2: also, um, Ethan Russo, if uh, he wrote the entourage effect. So if you have not heard his name, look him up. Um,
0: some really good stuff there. So, so, circling back to Shada, and then we have a, actually a, a, a guest question, which is fun. Uh, Shada, any specific cannabinoids you're looking at or anything interesting? I know CBN was a hot one here. Is there anyone your customers are asking more about or anything like that?
3: I would say definitely Delta A is a hot topic right now. I think just to give anybody listening and maybe even the other people on the webinar can agree, the market is moving at such a rapid pace externally that even those of us who are internal in the industry, it's it's, it's a trick to keep up. I think we were having consumers come into our retail location pretty early on to when Delta 8 was kicking off that I think we were the first retailer in Austin to really be offering it in that capacity. And it started with Um, Delta 8 cartridges and sublingual oil and now we have Delta 8 gummies and of course all these products for us hit the market when there was also this federal DEA kind of kerfuffle around it. I think it left us you know uneasy at first but I think the reality is you know being mindful of how fast these cannabinoids are being discovered and how quickly they're being exploited and turned into products that are then hitting the shelves for retailers to sell. Um, You know, it's just like, again, it's happening so fast. And so for us, we obviously want to, we are a now successfully licensed uh, retailer in the state of Texas. Hey, snap, and so, snap, snap, snap. yeah, got in on that. I mean, for us, we want to play by the rules. We want consumers to have access to high quality products. We are excited about furthering the quality of testing because testing does open the door for more research and understanding behind these different cannabinoids. And then I think on the case study side, especially, I'm really excited about getting um, genetics involved to the extent on the human side to where yes you could really essentially and I took a genetics test kind of on a introductory level I did like ancestry DNA and then I found this uh, cannabis test that you could take that would then pair you with certain cannabinoids or terpenes and so I think for me too that's really exciting I know Amos mentioned it but it's more than just the cannabinoids it's how those cannabinoids interact with the different terpenes and how that all then ultimately interacts with yourself so it's a very fun conversation to have because it's so personal. I mean my my job and my joy is really walking people through. I always say I'm like a CBD Sherpa. I can't go on the mountain for you, but I can help you understand here might be a turn, there's going to be a lake there you can dive in, you can run up the hill, you know like getting people excited because it's a plant. And so when I see consumers come in and they're, you know, they've done their research, they're open to it. They just want to take a product that they hope will work. There's always, you know, a customer who comes in or doesn't even come in because they've had a poor experience or they tried a product that wasn't effective for them. And so it's like, you're trying to curb all of that while the cannabinoids are being launched to market while we're doing more research on how these interact with your body. And so, yeah, then you have to package it up, market it, sell it. It's um, it's fun though.
2: I just, I want to point out too, besides, you know, the purity side of testing, I think getting a quality product and, you know, quality assurance, having consistent dosing and, you know, um, you know, homogeneous products, I think that's another really big benefit of testing. And that really brings, you know, your products, you know, above and beyond the competitors, I think, end of the day. And so, I mean, yeah, there is a purity side and that's DSHS is kind of pushing that, but I think from the other side, the quality, you know, manufacturing side, I think is, is a huge benefit.
0: That's, uh, that's good. We do have two questions coming up, some fun ISO and CBD Bible questions, but I saw that Andrew tapped in here, and I'd love to respect his time uh, while he's moving around the great state of Texas. Um, Andrew, you, th- you there with us? You might be on mute. Might circle back to him. We'll see. Once we see his uh, once we see his face again, then we'll we'll circle back to him. Uh, hey guys, did
5: I break up earlier? Just a little bit. Okay. Um. I guess yeah. What I, I just wanted to make sure and finish. I I agree that you know the 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 clinical trials and what that's going to bring is going to be so powerful and and um that that's what's got me the most excited is is the combination and the unique ways we're going to be able to treat human health. So. I don't know if I broke up when I was out in the hoops. My service is real bad.
0: No, that's, uh, that's, really, that's really nice for you to follow back up with us, Bo. The one question was kind of going back to the, the different testing on the different cannabinoids. Uh, do ISO um, labs, are they better equipped to test the new boutique cannabinoids coming up or is there a, maybe a yeah. new methodology that might be introduced? So-
2: yeah, I would definitely check every lab. ISO 17025 accredited lab is required to have a scope of accreditation. And you can look that up online. Um, the two main accreditation bodies, Perry Johnson Laboratory Accreditations and A2LA. And you can go on and actually pull up a certificate of any lab and see what they are accredited. So farm labs, we, we have 16 cannabinoids. You can see them on our certificate of scope. Delta-8 is one of them. Um, I would make sure that the, any lab that you're using, that you check out their actual ISO certificate and their scope of accreditation.
0: As things, as things keep progressing, you know, you, we never know when things will innovate. That's really unique. Okay, another question coming in. Does anybody have any opinions or have they read the CBD Bible? Uh, it might be in the UK by a Dr. Danny Gordon? No. Interesting. Might, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll look it up. Like, uh, might be a good deal, okay. Yeah, Yeah. well, the UK they have a lot of interesting things going on over there. Not to just switch it to a random discussion, but does anybody have any good insight on you know what our uh countrymen over there in the UK are doing, just like as far as where they're at?
2: I do know, I mean, over the last year, you know, it's kind of interesting was the THC limits for hemp cultivation. I think Netherlands and a few other in Europe moved it up to one percent um which makes a lot of sense uh and um yeah we'll see i mean
5: i, I think i know uh, go ahead, i know that a, a whole pallet of delta eight that was prepped um to be shipped to the uk out of oregon was actually it was stopped en route because it would not be accepted um just recently because the the jury was so out on delta eight Um, that, that there's, there's still a lot more work and clarification to be done. Um, and, and even in the regulating bodies, they're so afraid of making the wrong step that they don't walk at all. And, um, you know, and that's, that's the beauty if you. If you are testing and you are working diligently to, to, you know, build your data sets, then you're able to navigate maybe, you know, somebody that's, um, resistant or reluctant to, uh, move forward with a product, um but you know the truth is in the facts and so when you're able to present facts you're able to uh, move through those situations i know that what they created the uh the person in particular that had the uh the pallet of cartridges um they went through and randomly pulled and tested everything to verify for the customs uh, agents in uh, england and they were able to get things through because of that but it was a massive like scary thing that their product was stuck and yet couldn't be shipped home because it could be, um, moving contraband through a country. And it was like, man, we have a lot of money tied up on a pallet in England right now that we might just lose uh, very scary situation. But, um, they, they're, uh, you know, really thorough about their data gathering and data presentation. I think that that's what helped them to finish that off. But I, that's something that I know, um, had occurred recently in the UK, and uh and it was like diplomats were going to start getting involved because we're we're talking about a significant amount of money sitting on a pallet somewhere uh very scary situation if you're the guy that put up the money for that pallet
0: import to export stuff golly it's getting crazy so if they're able to work on their genetics you know and they're able to work at this one percent thc threshold will they have you know a lot more superior genetics than we do here you know, in the next few years, like how, how far do you think that'll set us back on the genetic side for anybody that wants to answer?
5: Not at all. Not even close. They can't keep up with us. What um, you have, we have a massive marketplace. You have a countercultural, you know, uh, movement that's been occurring uh, behind the curtains for a long time. And, and the genetic, you know, the amount of people that America has in, in its heart that are also doing this and, and for millions and millions of reasons, um, we, we have always and will continue to push beyond, um, other smaller, um, you know, societies and, and given the nature of, you know, necessarily there are people that are playing with, you know, one-to-ones, and maybe they're doing it under the guise of medical, but genetic diversity, um, you know, that is why we're America. I mean, shoot, that's, that's what we're good at, buddy. that. Culturally. But I don't well, I'm not worried about it. Honestly, okay. I think that people will continue to innovate it at a very high level in the states. And having that one percent isn't necessarily going to give them a significant enough advantage. Okay. Um and it's probably right down the pipe for us shortly anyhow.
0: I see. No, that's pretty unique. You know, laboratories or democracy, different states holding the line. I was talking to a, a company yesterday in Oklahoma. You know, I need to look a little more into it. There's I think there's a small documentary being made. But when the Hemp for Victory campaign was going on, it was legal to grow hemp for, for the taxes, everything in the 1930s, 40s. Uh, apparently, a lot of seeds were taken to Oklahoma and it grows naturally. So they were doing like strand hunters in Oklahoma edition because Man it was trees. like, a, yeah, they were doing, they were doing, uh, you know, test plots up there in Oklahoma. So you could actually go, you know, hunt genetics in Oklahoma still to this day, which is interesting. Um, I just figured I'd mention that because I, I heard the story and, you know, it's so close to us, especially here in North Texas, It's our eight minute drive from me from like farm labs, Texas. It might be a little bit more than that, depending on how fast you drive. Uh, but uh, you know, it's these things. We do have a couple more questions coming in. I want to circle back to the hill country vibes we have on this farm lab forum because we have Emos down in San Antonio. We have Leah and Shada holding down Austin and everybody in their own regard is a great content creator you know, I want to brag on here just because her things are really insightful. I'm like, oh, what's going on? But uh, Amos, you produced a fair amount of content throughout your day. And, uh, you know, could you guys just touch on why you think that's important or what inspires you to create this type of content and advice for other people to get out there? Because there's so I mean, the drones and everything, there's so many fun things we can use. I feel like some people are just kind of on the ledge and it helps everybody the more content we create. So, you know, could you talk about just that? In general, maybe you go first, Shadix. You have so uh, distinguished in that space.
3: Thank you. I appreciate the setup. Yeah. For anybody who's maybe not familiar, I've been kind of in that category of like Instagram influencer for the past couple of years. I am blessed to live in Austin, Texas. We have an amazing food scene. So I started my account um, really building my personal brand back when I was working in corporate technology as a food blogger. So content and unfortunately, but fortunately for me, I think is one of my skills. So it does come a little bit more naturally to me. I am a also huge, you mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk, huge mm-hmm. Gary V fan. And I think um, that paired with kind of my personality has netted me in this spot of just like create, 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 like throw it against the wall, see what works. And obviously I think being in cannabis, there's also an aspect of my background that's like very formal marketing. And so I see marketing as a huge huge function for any business that like you can have a really great product but if you don't know how to get it in front of the right people to actually transact and become a customer then you're missing out and so especially in CBD right now it's super saturated and and if you know my story I say this time and time again you know I didn't again set out to go make a CBD brand Um, I love the plant I had a personal experience that caused me to discover CBD have a very long pass with cannabis and so it was kind of like the perfect storm and when you kind of come up for air you really realize cbd is cbd as long as you have a high quality product you know it's it says the label what's so in the product you're getting your product tested kind of all those check the box variables and so from there it's like well what differentiates my product and so i very quickly transitioned a lot of that skill and content that i started creating as this food blogger into the cannabis space and realized man, I'm in such a fortunate position to be self-employed now in this industry. I know there's a concern sometimes, especially being in Texas. It's like, what am I going to put on the internet and who's Mm. watching and how does it, you know, tie back to me? And I think, um, content is so varying, you know, your brand can have content. You can be a personal brand. I don't think that anything is exclusive. It's just, for me, the success has come with Leaning into my personal brand, and so I basically uh, turned that personal food blog into now a cannabis platform where I converted my you know nineteen thousand followers into watching me smoke grab pieces on my <laughs> account and i 'm really all about you know I know that I showed this with Amos too like we are here to destigmatize this plant, and obviously you look at all of us on the panel, we all look very different, um, but I love that because people are always like you 're really into fitness and health and what are you doing smoking? And I'm like, great question. Let's have a conversation. And so right. me, it's been like leaning into Instagram, leaning and taking advantage of some of these, you know, newer options. I know Reels just got released. So I've yeah. been playing around with Reels. Oh. I will say though, I just published a Reel uh, two days ago on Restart CBD's Instagram, got about, you know, two 3,000 views. And then I woke up the next day to Instagram saying this violates our terms or whatever. So we pulled Yikes. the content down. So there's always that thing that you're butting up against, I think, when you are a brand. And so I think for me too, kind of a backdoor approach was how can I personally be promoting cannabis? How can I help answer consumers' questions by presenting myself? So now I have a lot of my customers who follow me as a personal brand. They follow Restart CBD. It's created this very symbiotic, um, you know, love it or hate it, people love to support local. They love to support women. They love to support, uh, you know, people who they can have a relationship with. And so I think content in today's day and age has allowed people to have a relationship with a brand. And so I I lean into, that's where I find a lot of happiness and joy is helping people understand, especially in cannabis, are these products what do you need to know what is the ins and outs and so everything that i'm absorbing through being in the industry i push that through and then the other thing i'll add because i know you are excited about it for me which i appreciate is i did launch a cannabis podcast and so Mm -hmm. it's separate from my cbd brand it's called to be blunt it's really for me at the intersection of marketing and cannabis i think some things that we've been talking about in this forum so far that really resonate with what my mission is too is when we first all got in the industry like I mean, we've all kind of known each other, but I think we can all agree we haven't always been friends. I think there's definitely an air of like, ooh, like, I don't know if I can trust these people. Kind of like you said, Dalton, like, you know, sometimes people do have bad intentions. And so I very quickly had to learn, how do I... How do I create community while also protecting myself? I mean, right. you want to, you know, have some sort of protection, and so I think there is a very fine line, but also a very, uh, you know, you have to be a little transparent. You have to share to get something back, and I think all of us here can agree that now that we've all kind of developed that, like, I respect everybody, I respect their opinions. Yeah. We're a team. When Amos posts something that like helps me understand something better, I love to like high five him, repost it, and so it's like, how do you create these threads of conversation where we're all speaking? The same language and so for me the podcast was another yeah. extension of that i've had both amos and leah on my podcast i've also been fortunate to have you know the cmo of wanna brands on my podcast Big so time. it's taking this conversation and elevating it into the mainstream saying hey you can be a mom who loves cannabis instead of cocktails. Hey, you can be a successful CEO woman running a small family CBD brand in Austin, Texas. Like, hey, you can have these conversations. You can be this person right. and it Why doesn't not? separate right. you. Yeah. Like we're fighting the stigmatization, but I think Bo brought up a really good point too, that I wanted to circle around on. I think the counterculture and maybe Amos, you can weigh in on this too. I think the counterculture really has helped us accelerate this um, acceptance, love it or hate it. Right. There is kind of this Agreed. stigma around but because we've had it and i think a lot of us have come from that counterculture i'm you know proud hot boxing in my car in high school <laughs> listening to you know some snoop dog oh, like I, I was that person and so i'm proud to be that person but now help champion it into the light in a very healthy way and i think in Texas Amen. because because we have not had legal adult use or even a real true medical program. How blessed are we that we get to play with CBD who's cracked the door open for our state? We're a fucking leader, y'all. I'm sorry. I got to cuss. Yikes. We're the leader. We're, we're not bringing all these cannabinoids. I have friends in Denver saying, Shada, what the hell are you doing a year ago? And I'm like, uh, I'm selling CBD. What are you doing? You used to go to the dispensaries and not be able to find CBD in legal weed. Now that's game has changed. Now you have consumers who want these boutique cannabinoids. They want to understand terpenes. They are a more educated. They want to get that healthy. They weed. want, yeah, yes. they want healthy.
2: They it want healthy. Helps push us all we forward. Almost, we almost outbred CBD in the nineties. I mean, right. I'm, I'm convinced I used to get, what we called Pretendo. I grew up in San Francisco. It looked amazing, but it didn't get you high. So I think, you know, back in the nineties, you know, the drug dealer were like, yeah, my, my guys didn't like this stuff. I don't want it. And so people stopped growing it. We almost lost, I mean, some ama-
0: amazing, amazing, you know, CBD strains that we're able to get back. I mean, that, that's, I, I feel emboldened based on the counterculture conversations Both saying it doesn't matter because this, you know, American, you know, th- this race to always uplift each other and the, the black, the, just things, what we can learn from the black market, what we can learn from those different genetics. And Amos, I want to get to you talking about your content, but we do have Andrew just popped up. If we have to do an audio check on Andrew, I'd love for you to say hi to all the viewers. Um, How's it going, everybody? Can, can you tell us a little bit about what your role is at Farm Labs and what you're doing right now? I'm uh, coming back from uh, a farm where I just did some sample collection. Unfortunately, I didn't have any signal at all. so <laughs> We we saw you there for a second. Uh, we were yeah, like, hey it, kept, hey. it kept booting me off, so. Well, we were—we knew you were at a farm, but then Bo was showing us plants at the same time. So, you know, we're talking about having more interactive farm labs forums. Maybe everybody will be on a farm next time. Uh, that would yeah. be really ideal. But I kind of put a face to a name when you call when you cold call to the farm labs. You know, your your neighbor hemp uh, lab testing market, and Andrew answers the phone. What could people expect from Andrew here at the farm labs? What all do you help with out here? Uh, sample collection, uh, sales, uh, and I—I I really have I really see myself as an educator. So I really focus on educating uh, the farmer, the manufacturer, anything like that. I've, I have over 10 years of experience in the cannabis and hip industry. Um, I've done consulting, and I really try to focus in on
5: uh, just education. I'm not going to sell you something you don't need.
0: You also did a great job uh, hardwiring our Ethernet cable in here. So thank you. Uh, thank you for that. A jack of all trades over here. But we'll get back to it. we're circling. I don't know if you're driving. You know, we don't, we don't uh, condone that, but if you have to, you know, just... Put it somewhere. Uh, and because uh, Amos, we have a really unique uh, group of, of panelists here. Amos has been doing this in San Antonio for a while. So I'd love to tell you, and I, I hate just to plug the Ninja Warrior store, but can you talk about how you came from there and how you do juice and how you're climbing things and how you get hurt and rub CBD on and then you keep going? Because it's inspiring, bro. I'd so tell you that because it's interesting to see. So tell us a little about your content, you know, and the places you've been out there.
4: Yeah, for sure. I'm just always trying to share the lifestyle you know I'm a plant-based athlete but I'm also a cannabis athlete and that's a couple like intersections of these niches that I like to showcase they like you can be a cannabis user and be a high-level performing athlete you can be a plant-based um, person and be a high-performing athlete and you can be an entrepreneur and use cannabis daily like just showing people um, that is what I really enjoy but uh, Ninja Warrior is just like I've, I've, been, I've been a ninja since I was born, basically. Like when I was five years old, I started doing back handsprings. And that was just a way for me to play and entertain myself. Uh, I have two older siblings that were in all kinds of sports. So my mom was dragging me around to all their practices and games and pep rallies and all their events. And then I'm just by myself, you know, around all these older people or older kids. So I'm, I'm just flipping around and climbing things, you know. So I did that um, pretty much. Until I was 13, and when I was 13, I joined uh, cheer cheerleading. Uh, I played football um, most of my life, or I guess when I was younger, from seven to 17. But then um, joined cheer. My older brother and my older sister were both competitive cheerleaders, and uh, when I was seven or eight, they're like, "You should do cheerleading because like you're amazing at these flips. You're better than most of the 17, 18 year old kids." And I'm like, "Nah, that's gay. You know, I'm not gonna be a cheerleader. That's like for girls and stuff." Then I got to middle school and I'm like, you know what? It may actually be a good idea to be on a team full of girls and be the only dude on the team. Like that actually might be a good idea. So joined cheer uh, got formal, like tumbling uh, coaching, got way better at tumbling then. Um, And then just really like in high school delved into football. Um, And then I started using cannabis my sophomore year in high school, but I didn't really use it that regularly. It was kind of just like a, you know, sometimes here on the weekends, but when I graduated, um, I started really doing bodybuilding, lifting really heavy, getting into supplementation, learning more about nutrition. And uh, I started learning more about cannabis. I was kind of like, like, I definitely relate to Shada, how she mentioned, you know, she was a consumer at one point, but had no idea about an endocannabinoid system or cannabinoids in general, or what's actually happening. All we know is like, I feel good when I smoke this. (laughs) And that's, of how it was and then started to learn like, okay, well, um, you know, THC and some of these other cannabinoids, they have anti-inflammatory properties. Mm. Uh, they have, you know, um, things that will help reduce my soreness after my workouts. And so I started to really use it as a recovery tool um, during my workouts and then um, had a bit of a health crisis in 2013. They led me towards a plant-based lifestyle and juicing. And that's a whole nother story, but Uh, When I started that it also shifted my um, approach towards fitness. So I was very like, prior to that I was much, much like the stereotypical like gym rat doing very heavy lifting, um, lots of supplements, I was eating a lot of um, like, you know, uh, white chicken breast and white rice, like almost Mm. every day. And I was a huge meat eater, you know, born and raised here in Texas, barbecue and and babacoa tacos in San Antonio is like, that's your, those are your staples. Um, But learning that there's so much more to human movement, Um, you know, there's rolling and hanging and swinging and crawling and all these other facets of human movement that we lose. It's like, if you can't just, you know, you guys see me, I'm sitting on the floor here because I'd rather sit on the floor or squat like this than to sit in a chair and uh, it just makes us better humans. If you can't just chill in a squat like this comfortably, it's like the equivalent of a monk that can't climb. Like as human beings, we're supposed to be able to squat like this. Um, And it's really interesting to like delve into like that human movement with the cannabis plant. You know, when I do my movement practices and I do yoga flows or I do strength work, it's really interesting to see how the different cannabinoids affect my performance Mm. or my focus. And so I like to showcase that. Um, So that's a little bit about the ninja side. And I just really like, as far as content, I just like to cover, I just like to document uh, because it's fun. I'm a creator. Like that's just like what I am. I I create businesses. I create content. I like to just create things. Uh, But really for me, it's, it's, it feels nostalgic going through what we're going through right now, even though we're in the middle of it. Uh, I just like can almost see like 20 years down the road, looking back to this time, it's like we're in the middle of the death of prohibition. And it's amazing that like, we're all in this together and we're going through all these challenges and, and 30 years down the road, this is all going to be, you know, um, hashed out all the all the wrinkles are going to be, um, all flattened Shade. out and ironed out and that we're going to have a legitimate industry, but we'll be able to look back at our content that Shade has been producing, that I've been producing, that we're all producing here. And there. Say, y'all remember back yeah. in 2018, right. 2020 when like it was the, a wild ride? <laughs> uh, so that's why I like to document it.
2: Golly. Amos, no, have you experimented with any uh, Delta 8 um, with any of your post-workout or focus?
4: I, I've only... <laughs> tried deltate twice now um both in edible form and i have not yet used it while i was doing like a workout or anything um yet but i'll, I'll definitely start playing with it i haven't tried um i haven't tried a carts yet
2: i think so i've heard that's it's like extreme focusing mind focusing i think Bo, have you seen delta 8
5: before yeah I, I, absolutely 100% i i uh i really enjoyed it i found uh, altering effects that uh other people didn't which was strange um, some people were like yeah just put i go right to sleep and i'm like man i was wired like i was mm. and i was so focused and i was managing it at the time that i was really kind of um abstaining from any other cannabinoids just to get a true evaluation um, and we were managing planting at that time. And it was just chaos with like seven gardens and, you know, fields all over Oregon going in and seedling management and trucking. And, and, and I just flowed right through this week that when I looked back, I was like, man, what a chaotic week. And I really never felt stress. Um, I just felt like a calming sense of focus and, and uh, high energy. Um, but then in speaking with other people, I found that it was, um, it was completely relaxing, and then they would go to sleep, and maybe that was the ability to remove all the distractions that kind of keep you awake. Um, I can't speak to their input, but I know uh, I know for me it was uh, super easily managed, um, high high volume. Um, Stress moment, and, and I, I really had no, uh, had no issue with it. And I was like, wow, I, gotta, I need more of this, <laughs> whatever it is, I need more of this in my life. I mean, almost like, you know, it's like if cannabis could be that limitless pill, Delta 8 was like that ticket for me, right? And, um, and the, you know, but it always goes back to individual chemotypes within people and how they're going to react to these things. And that's why the case studies are going to be so important. Mm-hmm. I love I love
0: how you bring up the case guys and Leo. We're going to get to you. I have some Texas hemp trail and uh, marketing questions for you coming up. But we did just get one inbounds. This is more this is more scientific. We're going from hanging and juicing and Delta eight to uh, can farm labs test for PVC container compatibility with cannabinoids. Can you talk about how cannabinoids have migrated into PVC plasticizer in some brands?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's so many different plastics, really, it's kind of a, that's kind of experimental design that we would do at the lab. And we would start with, you know, what their, their exact final packaging. And we would do kind of, um, you know, take a look at what, you know, their whole manufacturing processes, how they're dosing each individual bottle, there's so many variables. So, um, but yeah, that's something that we could
0: definitely tackle. Oh, that's crazy. Okay. No, this has been exciting. Might uh, have a little static there. So circling back to you, Lee, because I know you're a jack of all trades on marketing, you know, consulting retailers. And we talked a little bit behind the scenes about the Texas hemp trail and some marketing courses uh, that you're in uh, that I'm pretty excited about personally. <laughs> um, could, could you tell us kind of what's next with, uh, you know, the, the you guys traveling around and talking with different you guys, marketing efforts in general, or what, you know, how to get the word out.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, these two obviously are um, big inspirations for us, especially Shada. We're always just like, how did she do 10 videos today and like across all segments. And so it's really awesome seeing the the amazing content that y'all are putting out and we were lucky to have Nicole when we started up who was an amazing videographer. So we really went with that strength and just tried to, like Amo said, really capture the moment. I think we had the same feeling of like, there's something special here that we're all going to look back on. Uh, sometimes it almost plays out like a movie. Just some of the things that happen, you're like, I ne- never saw that one coming, you know, where I totally knew that was what was around the corner. So uh, I think trying one of the balances for us since we are, our, our, most of our social media is consumer focused. And sometimes we get wrapped up in like our industry talk and we forget yeah. that consumers are on a much different level and that we really have to present that education or edutainment, as we call it, uh, sort of in a little bit of a different way. Uh, we use Grace Delgado from Texas CBD blog to consult with us on all of our web and social media and you know that's been a consistent message the feedback that she's given us is that sometimes we do get a little um, industry focused where we really want all that media to be consumer focused and easy to digest fun for them so Texas Hemp Trail is a big part of that Uh, we started the self-guided tour we were supposed to launch it in the spring uh, at South by that didn't happen and as kind of everything evolved uh, we had been doing some virtual tours and stuff like that but we wanted to create something that was different that we would be able to appeal to partnerships in local communities so we started in Austin which what was going to be called our Austin self-guided tour and turned that into the Texas Hemp Trail that we want to keep on growing out throughout the state capturing not just the best, um, our, our partners and the verified brands that we work with, but also landmarks, history of hemp really here in the state. And we're modeling that on the Kentucky Hemp Trail. And then uh, California also has done an amazing job with the California Cannabis Trail uh, that Brian over at the um, California Cannabis Tourism Association put together. So trying to model that Same philosophy here for Texas to really highlight the hemp industry now, what it's growing into and and what it was before in a really fun interactive way that hopefully will stimulate people to get out and learn more about the plant. I think consumers in Texas are very curious just because we're surrounded by cannabis on every side now. So we wanna make sure that they keep finding things to keep them engaged to keep coming back to hemp so they'll be here as we grow this industry in Texas.
4: I think he said he went to the bathroom. Did he?
1: Okay yeah. and yeah, uh, yeah so that's, uh, that's you know a little bit about the Texas Hemp Trail. I think uh, Dalton also wanted me to talk about the uh, Hemp Business Builder which is our, our B2B side of Hemp Tours. Uh, we rebranded it just a little bit because i think it was cons- a little confusing to businesses that were talking about the hemp tours dashboard and then uh, as we scaled that doesn't necessarily always include tours uh, like in person the traditional party bus tour that we've done so we rebranded it as Hemp Business Builder and uh, we put together a series of courses that our partners get for free. But these courses are also accessible to anybody in the industry that wants to grow their business. And we did a really cool course with Dalton, uh, we started filming. I want to say it was in like May, went back and forth. And, you know, we all know Dalton is like the Kevin Bacon of Texas Hemp. You're always like one or two people removed from him for sure. I, I don't think I've ever met anyone that once I friended on Facebook, like wasn't friends with Dalton already, you know, (laughs) somehow through some way. So we uh, put together an idea of a industry networking course, like Mm. how did Dalton in such this short period of time, meet everybody and not just in Texas, y'all know he's well connected outside of the state of Texas as well. So uh, we wanted to pick his brain and like put it all down in video and and in a course format so he basically we gave him kind of the format what we thought it should be he recorded all the videos Cynthia back went back in and tweaked everything added questions really turned it into a course and that course just got launched on hempbusinessbuilder.com so uh, for y'all our partners for free but anybody else out there that wants to check it out you can go to hempbusinessbuilder.com check out dalton's industry networking course he does get a portion of those uh that revenue <laughs> and uh we have a 25 percent off code you can use the code plp5 for P- farm P- labs PLP forum five, 5
2: Lab and pick 25. up that
1: course <laughs> learn all of his secrets i told him we should do it like limited time because if too many people you know, learn it, but then I was like, also, you have to apply this knowledge, so I think Dalton does a great job on the application of this knowledge to really, you know, um, just network in every way, from events, social media, in person, keeping your CRM organized, all these things that Dalton does great, you can get the inside tip over there.
0: If, if I wasn't so cold in this uh, lab, I'm going to have to get my lab jacket. You could probably see me blush in here because you're so sweet. Uh, but really, you know, it's really just trying to meet as many people as possible, you know, and then running into the awesome people like the farm labs, like the hemp tours, just running it, just showing up at these events. And that's why I feel bad because surprise on the course, if there's no live events to my strategy is pretty much worthless. Um, you know, you can only LinkedIn <laughs> message people so much, um, but it's just I think we're it's getting just back
1: fun. to it. We're I, hope back to so. it though. It's I really,
0: I really hope so. I was, you know, I, I can't wait to see the farm labs guys in a booth. I, Greg was talking about the best ways to hit an expo and, you know, far, farm labs is going to show, show up deep in a good type of way. <laughs> and uh, It's just exciting. It's just exciting. So I re- appreciate you uh, touching on that. Leah, and you know, any education we can go, I think everybody here, uh, including Andrew, I guess he, he, he might've bugged out with his service. He said, now, I'm an educator. We asked him what his roles are at Farm Labs. He just loves talking, loves educating. And I think that's really unique of the core group of the Farm Labs is building is just folks that loves to educate and, you know, folks that love to talk hemp with each yeah. other. Um, so, and
2: Andrew, Andrew comes from Colorado, California. He's done extraction, cultivation. Um, he's very knowledgeable about all, you know, plant disease and, um, you know pretty much every aspect of the industry so that's why we really want him out working with our clients and you know going doing our sampling and i think that's a big differentiator too with farm labs is i hear a lot of other labs are utilizing the licensed sampler list and i get a little worried about that about the people's background and training in, in the industry in general um going and i mean your entire crop your entire you know everything is is based on this sample that's being taken and so um you know if it's not done correctly it can put the farmer at a huge disadvantage and if it's done correctly within the letter of the law it can put the farmer at a huge advantage and so i really think it takes someone with a background and knowledge of you know not only farming but you know deep of of the plant of you know the synthesis of cannabinoids and Um, things that you can visually learn just from working 10 plus years in in the industry and around the plants that somebody off the list um, that may have zero experience that just signed up because they thought it was cool to be in the area. Um, A lot of these people, it's going to be seasonal work for them. You know, the October is only so long. And, you know, for us, it's, you know, Andrew's out there before you plant and after you plant giving you advice and making sure that your crop is going to have the highest cbd content stay under that thc threshold of 0.3 and when it comes time for the tda you know we're we're going to understand that taking a branch with more stem and more leaf is going to give the the opportunity for the farmer to pass it's within the letter of the law but when you have a a choice to pick which branch to take off of a plant um there's definitely an advantage of knowing plan and you know that's that's simple it's easy it makes sense so that's uh um, yeah i'd love to nice touch in on sure that
0: sure. more too you got it bo um
5: you know when, when it like and it absolutely greg's 100 percent right you know a big part of this is a lot of the labs are hiring drivers right um whereas we're hiring you know you know, the people that we're trying to um, be our client relations specialist, that's, it's more the, that than it is they're a sample gathering person that drives to and from the lab. Um, they're bringing an educated mindset a deep knowledge of the plant and the many aspects in which it applies or is, is uh, manipulated in order to be brought to the public. Um, You know, and, and, and as we continue to build these relationships with the farmers, we're going to know what they did last year. And our guys, as they're going to gather samples, they're going to be able to dig through data. They go, you know, this, they ran this, this last year, it tested at this, you know, their finished harvest was this, it got processed at that. And, and really bringing that data back to the client. So it's like, hey, have you thought about how this is occurring with this? Um, and, and really digging into the client's true needs as far as presenting the product. It's not just the driver to go grab weed and drive it back that has a gun on him or something. You know what I mean? It's it's really, we're tr- what, you know, our focus is, is really client-based in that we're trying to bring education, uh, and concept, um, and come from a really deep perspective.
0: You just, you just cut up a little bit, Bo. Could you, could you say that one more time? It was getting really good on my end.
5: You said right after client, you said you were taking care of the clients. Well, we take care of the clients and we're, we're actually looking at their whole body of work and, and their past work and using and, and presenting them back with that data, even if they don't, maybe don't remember it. Um, we, can, we can access that and bring it to the forefront for them and, and allow them to continue down a successful path because it really, it's about their individual needs and, and their unique ways each farmer is going to grow a little bit different. And they're going to have uh, different questions and different understandings and, and even a different knowledge base that they're working from. And that's where that, that relationship is so key in that we're sending someone that's really after what's best to the client. Um, you know, we have a role within the regulatory body, but for our clients to be successful within that regulatory body, they need data in order to drive their products forward. And, and, and that's really our biggest focus.
2: And that's the same thing on the manufacturing side too. I mean, the same way we operate in every other state that we work with the client beforehand, we work, you know, understanding their process and what their you know, materials are and their ingredients. And, you know, really getting the best product that's going to be, you know, past regulatory requirements and have consistent dosing and things like that. And so, you know, there's, you know, small, very simple, affordable tests that can be done for quality assurance and informational purposes, you know, before you even get into the, uh, you know, the Purity testing, I guess you I call it. Yeah, and, and a lot of
5: it, too, is we work within uh, in helping clients develop an experimental design. Um, and, and we expose them to, you know, like for we referenced earlier with the can liner and things like that. We're exposing them to the idea that that might be an issue. We've already seen that in another product. And you may want to take a deeper look as you're developing your formulas and you're developing your packaging um, that's once again where we're seeing to the client's needs it's our focus is that they're they're successful they get where they need to be and uh, and we're helping them get there
0: i love how you both talk about how it's a partnership you know it's not this the farm labs isn't just a testing facility it's a partnership whether it's to crop whether it's this and you know this place is built to be around for a long time so you know even if you haven't worked with the farm labs yet or you might be watching this and think hey i already have my friend testing my stuff but farm labs is going to be here for a while. People are really truly trying to help people all the way through, you know, it's geography stuff, but you know, give your, give your neighborhood farm labs a call. You know, this facility is always open to come test and the the guys in here and, and the scientists in here are doing amazing jobs. I mean, it's just, it feels good to be in here, you know, regardless how I think Amos, you said we feel like we're breaking prohibition. I mean, we're testing cannabinoids in state of Texas around us right now. It's exciting. Like, it's just, you know, I don't think I'll ever get over that feeling. Um, you know, circling back, we got about 20, 25 minutes left in the Farm Lab Forum. I want to circle back on some retail and manufacturing stuff and talk about how to approach these manufacturers. I mean, we just learned Amos is a manufacturer in his spare time. You know, he does these things um, outside of the other things he's doing. What advice would you give if you're a buyer looking to to talk to a manufacturer? Obviously, references go a good, a good way in different ways and the certifications. But what are some questions we need to be asking manufacturers uh, to make sure – you know they're 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 getting products we want to use maybe maybe that would be a good one for you leah to start out with like what's a good question for for us to ask manufacturers uh especially ones that yeah. are like just are there ones that are just building up as well
1: yeah i mean now we have the licensing out so question one are you licensed okay. here in the state of texas uh you know how long have you been co-packing or manufacturing products uh, if this is you're using them as a co-packer because we are starting to see a lot of traditional co-packers work into this space uh, which i think is good overall because they have a a lot of great ideas and experience but at the same time working with cannabis is different so they may not understand certain processes uh, or be up to speed like on the water compatible water soluble the nanotechnology Um, And I think as far as if you're looking at a manufacturer to bring into your store sort of that wholesale aspect, you know, artificial ingredients are are definitely out there and and um, some of that's opinion, you know, but at the end of the day, we know that it's better for the consumer without those so Uh, Even if they're not willing to make the change, I think it's always a positive when you're just asking, is there an all natural version of this product available, you know, and they may say yes, but it's not it's cost prohibitive or whatever, but at least you've opened the conversation and they know that there is a demand there on the consumer side and on our side as uh, sort of retail outlets or sales channels for these products.
2: I think one thing you missed, Leah, not just obviously coming from the laboratory side, but testing. I mean, the number one question I hear from my mom uses CBD, my uncles, family members, friends, and they're like, which company's legit? Which one tests? You know, I see this in all these different stores. How do I know that, you know, that it's actually the dosage that it's saying? Which one's better? And how do I, you know, how do I know? And so there's no really rules or regulations. still kind of wild, wild west. And, I think the companies that are testing they're above and beyond. And um, I think that just says a lot about the product. And that's what I would want in my retail shop.
5: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I couldn't when, agree with you more on that, Greg, for sure.
5: In in the concept that, that we generally practice, and this is coming from the cannabis side, is where we generally learned a series of questions. You know, it's who have you worked with in the past? Um, and what went well and what didn't go well about Um, that project that you managed as a manufacturer for that company and would you mind uh, me speaking with them so that I could get their input and what struggles they had you know and then another question was always like well what's your reasonability of scale how much do you intend to grow as if my company grows and I outgrow you do I have to go find another manufacturer now that can actually meet my needs Um, those are really important questions for um the manufacturer you're approaching with your raw products and uh, you know uh, so we've, we've always kind of stuck with those basics and they tell you a lot just in those you know four questions uh what where you want to you know go with that manufacturer essentially
0: i like that well i like how you because it's just reasonable to know if you're going to grow really fast you don't want to have to go through that process again uh yep. and it's and these references go a long way even from a small scale even doing marketing or things it's it's okay to ask around if somebody's really offended that you're asking people they've worked with before i mean that's that's kind of a yellow flag in general oh um, it's a red flag <laughs> okay that's fair yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll go full we'll full send on that one um yeah. i was trying to be nice but you know not, yeah. not today
4: uh hey, I, I have talk- a question for greg yeah i just have a question for greg regarding um you know, like we do raw cannabis juice. And so it's, it's a little bit of a different um, product to be processed or manufactured and something I've really been wondering um, and looking to kind of consult somebody like yourself and, and really everybody here. I'm curious, like, okay, I'm taking the raw leaf, which there's been a sample from that farm and then I'm juicing it. So then the question is, and then that product it's raw juice is only good for three days. Right. And it's going to get bought and consumed within three days um, so my question is like am i supposed to send a sample of that juice after i run it through my juicer and or like am i supposed to send a sample of the leaf before i juice it and i'm really confused because that's a very unique way to use the plant right. and of course i'm sure they weren't thinking about that when they're creating regulations you know
2: so um the good thing is the hplc it separates the acid and the neutral so juicing it's all going to be cbda all the acid form which is in the plant and then decarboxylation brings it to the neutral so you know we do recommend for best practice that you want to test your starting material you want to see a good average sample of what your leaf is and so you know what you're putting in and you should expect you know something you know something close to that coming out you can check your waste as well so testing your starting material testing your, your batch and then your final product And so testing that along the way can just open a bunch of data for yourself. Um, You may be wasting, you know, cannabinoids. It might be in your waste, you know, and so maybe your process needs to be tweaked a little bit. And so there's things that we can learn all the way along, you know, along the way. So, um, and taking a good average sample is so important. You know, you're only hurting yourself at the end of the day when it's for informational purposes. So you want to make sure it's really well homogenized, you're taking an, an average representative sample of the batch or whatever you're testing. So if it's leaf, you know, make sure that it represents that leaf very, very well. Um, but yeah, the final product, you know, end of the day is, is the most important one, but the testing along the way provides so much valuable information.
4: For yeah. sure. And then just a, a quick follow-up question. Do you guys also test for micronutrients at your lab?
2: um we are in process of developing some methods for that and so you're talking about micronutrients um like what's left of you know uh calcium you know just you're talking in general yeah yeah yeah, with the uh, nutritional
4: content of like if i wanted to send you a a sample like my juice you could tell me you know how much magnesium and manganese and stuff like
2: that yeah we're working Really geared uh, more for you know regulations, but we can help uh, connect you and outsource it if we're not currently doing it, and it's something that we might bring on. But um, there's some great companies out there that you know specialize in that specifically. But we're more about you know potency of cannabinoids and terpenes, and then the purity, looking at heavy metals, pesticides, microbials, uh, solvents, things like that.
5: Yeah, yeah. Open channels. Uh, with with other laboratories and so as a project is moving forward we can coordinate and help you with your formulaic development with another like a nutritional lab or a soil and water lab um, we, we're capable of doing those things but our focus is really in the cannabis plant itself and um, mm-hmm. and in the cannabinoids and terpenes um, but we, mm-hmm. we've definitely in the past co- collaborated with other labs um, that are that are doing nutritional analysis and really dug through the problems you know just like even just like with certain edibles, like we have to change a gas because it's just not reading off. We, we're learning these things from other laboratories, you know, because we keep that open channel of communication. Because um, once again, mm-hmm. it just best serves you, the client. Yeah, definitely.
4: Um, yeah, no, thank you guys, both of y'all for that, that insight, because it's something I've been really curious about. It's like, um, you know, at the end of the day, the leaf, the cannabis leaf is, is very much like any other leafy green. And we're, we're starting to learn a lot more about uh, the cannabinoid contents and the terpene contents. But I'm really curious, like, what is the nutrient <laughs> profile of of leaf look like? We know a lot about the nutrient profile of seed oil and of hemp seeds as a food, but there, I, I can't find any information about what, what are the nutrients inside of this leaf when I'm just eating it as, as like a baby green in my salad or I'm juicing it up. So that's something right. I'm, I've been really curious about.
2: We, we can connect you with um, a lab that, that we, you know, that we recommend and that we've vetted. Cool. It's and exciting then, stuff. At the end of the day, Amos, you know, uh, we'll throw you a couple potency tests, no problem. You can set up an account, you know, if you go to texas.farmlabs.com, up right hand corner just takes a minute and we'll throw you a couple credits and, you know, when you got your starting material, you, you know, let's test your starting material. Let's test your batch and your final product. We can see what's going on with the cannabinoids and um, you know, see if you have any loss and make sure that you
4: have the best possible product going out. For sure. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'll definitely be contacting y'all for uh flower samples as well in our pre-rolls.
1: You
0: got it. Uh and also I was gonna say, Amos, it's gonna be easy because I know you owe us a trip to Dallas. I know we owe you a trip to San Antonio. Uh, you know, it shouldn't be too hard to, sure. to make these things happen. And uh you know, we're we're wrapping up, got about 10, 13 minutes left in the in the forum. And I've been talking to Leah behind the scenes because I know this is always a work in progress, but she's actually stumbled across some interesting data. And I hope I hope she's still prepared to share a little bit, little of these nuggets with us. Um, what what's some of the things you've been learning behind the scenes coming through this data, Leah, that is just something you've started to embark on?
1: For sure. Yeah. We're you know, we love our numbers over here at hemp tours. We're obsessed with the percentages. So Kind of just some quick facts. You know, we get asked a lot about the size of the Texas market. We're hoping that that DSHS editions list gets published so we can sort of uh, corroborate these numbers and also see who made it through uh, 2020. Um, But from we looked at about three different data list providers as well as did our own uh, Google Maps. Cross reference on this and it looks like there's just over 2000 brands and retailers here in the state of Texas. So quite a large market to say the least. And of course, we know there's just over 1000 TDA licenses that went out that list isn't public either. But there's been some information released by Sid Miller and others on that about 4000 acres appears to be what was planted, but we're seeing a large number of these uh, license holders being retailers and brands that have very small grows in store grows almost everybody that we work with has some sort of small grow where they did get the license i think a lot of people were just curious about the license process and it was the first one that came out so everybody kind of wanted to get some kind of hemp license and it, it is very cool for consumers to come in the store and get to interact with the plant right there too. So um, you know we're guessing that a large portion of that thousand are very small operations and that's probably why we're at about the 4,000 acres that's been publicized. 55 hemp processors that number is out from TDA. So I think it's really interesting to see going forward how this is going to grow and evolve with the licensing. Uh, Shada and I or Shada was talking yesterday about how uh, she's very on board with the licensing. And I, I think all of us are that want to see things done right and have that consumer safety in mind. So it's exciting times though. The, yeah, did you
2: say 4,000 acres?
1: Uh, yeah, that's what right. uh, I've read that a couple different places. And that's that right. to be coming from TDA. California, I
2: think uh, last year we did, uh, I guess 2019 October season, we did 8,000 Wow. Um, so that, that seems right because Texas had like such a kind of late start. They didn't have enough time since everything came on board. It was like a scramble and, you know, everyone we talked to were like, oh, I don't know if this leaves me enough time to plan. And um, So that seems, that seems pretty good, I think, at the end of the day. I think that's positive.
1: Yeah, I do too, And I think it was good that we didn't. Uh, see too many people you know jump on board because we know there's a little price crash and people were concerned that Texas we were going to grow like a million acres and and just kind of drive that price lower so I think it's a positive and and it'll be exciting to see how many people renew their license next year and go to a larger grow and obviously we didn't know what the genetics were really going to do here yet so um, I think everybody took it easy for the most part which is is good positive.
0: Yeah, I'm just, I'm just distracted by that cat trying to leave the hemp talk. It says, I don't want yes, to be so in
1: there right. so I was like, look at this <laughs> here. Like Y'all know like, me. I'm a dog person. I'm house sitting for Cynthia. And I'm like, dang, cats are so cool though, y'all. Like you don't have to do anything. They're just there. But <laughs> apparently they, they have got excited during the, you know, they love the Farm Labs forums. So, I'll trust yeah, it. got gotten worked up a little bit.
0: I love animals. I don't trust cats sometimes. You never know. Uh, I just, I, also, I was trying to, we love that data, Lee, and we hope you come back and, and explain more once all these different lists get corroborated. There we go. Seen that dog. And I've seen that dog in person. Uh, and we do, we do owe you a trip out there to California, Greg, to, uh, t- to, to go see the farm labs in person. You know, I mean, these, these Southwest deals for $80 a, a, a trip or whatever are very tempting here. Um, but uh, no, we just appreciate everybody coming on on the Farm Lab Forum and uh, continuing to grow with us as this evolves into a different media channel. And as we start to have more in-person events, we're just talking to Greg. Uh, hopefully we can have some type of Texas barbecue out here at some point, um, you know, get, get a yard party going on. If you're a farmer and you have a lab, I mean, if you're a farmer and you have a farm uh, and you'd like to be on the forum, you know, contact one of us directly uh, to potentially get you scheduled on here. We want these things a lot more interactive. We want people hands-on you know I love what every time Bo's on here we love looking at the plant so and I know Amos you're doing a lot of things everybody's doing so many unique things it's so interesting uh you know as as we're wrapping up maybe we could go around the horn one more time and you know share our our, our final thoughts and where we can reach uh each other and uh, kind of how to support what we've got going on maybe you could start with us Shada.
3: Sure thing. Well, I appreciate the opportunity of being able to be a part of these conversations. I know COVID has thrown us a lot of curveballs, but I think um, obviously the industry doesn't stop moving. And so it's important for us to stay in communication and stay excited um, because we are in a very exciting time, especially in Texas cannabis. Um, It is very near and dear to my heart. So I know that as a born and raised Texan, the fact that we get to even have this conversation is like miles and miles away from where I thought that I would personally be in 2020. Um, but grateful to be here. So yeah, I operate Restart CBD. If you are in Austin, Texas, you can come visit us. Uh, I am slowly starting to call us a dispensary because customers come in and it smells like it and it looks like it. So I'm very proud of that. We've definitely been um, evolving our brand over the years and trying to service the Austin, Texas community um, in person. Then we also do still uh, operate an e-commerce site. So I am shipping nationwide, Sell Delta 8, CBN, all those great products, smokables, edibles, smokables until February, <laughs> uh, all that stuff. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Restart CBD. We also have a YouTube channel slash RestartCBD. So anything pretty much related to my CBD business, you can personally follow me on Instagram at the TheShaydaTarabi. Like I mentioned earlier, I do create a lot of um, personal, educational, informative- Uh, information that I love to share with my followers there. And then uh, my podcast to be blunt. If you want to listen to it, I release new episodes every Monday and just love again, really helping people understand specifically in the industry to how we can better service each other and ultimately help grow this industry into something that, you know, we all get to have a little piece of ownership of. So to be blunt pod on Instagram, to be com, And yeah, just love talking about cannabis. Great for it. it.
0: Get it Shada on LinkedIn, comment on her LinkedIn. There's good people crawling all over it, you know. LinkedIn is I, great. I,
3: I love to hang out on LinkedIn. I think that's is. where you and I first originally connected. So. It's It's like you start seeing like, hey, whoa, LinkedIn's a really great place to be hanging out. So yeah, I do advocate yeah. for LinkedIn. Yeah. And if you're not on I mean, it and active. It's a great channel.
0: I mean, you first, thing I put, it says to be blunt LinkedIn. I said, I'm here at the right place, right? Like it's, it's the right time. <laughs> that's <laughs> we appreciate- right. Bo, Bo, can you tell us a little update what you're doing on? And, you know, I know you're a part of the Farm Labs family out here, but just, you know, if anybody has any yeah. questions where they could reach you or?
5: Uh, you can always find us at LeapFarms.com. You know, we have IG, Facebook, all of those. Uh, we, have, we have a couple clips on YouTube dig deeper into our project and what we're about up here as far as farming in Oregon and uh, creating the best practices that, you know, ultimately I've created a lot of my practices here on the farm based on the things that the lab has taught me um, and how you can refine your SOPs. And, and uh, that's been a, a massive asset for uh, the development of my professionalism within farming. And so, uh, that's something I've always been grateful for, but, um, yeah, we do, you know, we also have our hemp seed farm out in Hawaii, um, and uh, a lot of, uh, pilot projects throughout the country, um, through our Nalo green seed company. But, uh, the main, the main thing, my main focus is really within the cannabis space in Oregon. I, I look at it as a microcosm of things to come across the country, and I look at all the issues, and those are the things we're trying to help people avoid as we bring on clients through Farm Labs and try and get you know point people in the right direction. And and you know because a lot of people, uh, farmers in Texas in particular, they're looking at this from a cautious perspective. Uh, it's, you know, it's scary. Like you might go to jail if you have THC in your your hemp. You know, and and those are things that uh, we like to put people at ease about. Like, hey, we got you. You're going to be okay. Not only that, we have some great advice to go with it. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, if you look up leap farms, you can dig a little deeper into, uh, some of the other companies that, um, I own and, and, uh, and really try to develop methodology that I can give away freely. I don't really have consultation fees. Uh, if I like you, I'll pretty much tell you anything. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of where I'm at. You'll know, cause I'm not answering. You um, got to stay on
0: both I... good side out here to get the good stuff. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, that's uh, right. You know, you know and we and we we appreciate that, and we're looking forward to seeing more. And uh, Amos, let us know, man. How can we follow on your journey down there in the good SA?
4: Yeah, for sure. You can uh, stay in touch with us. Our brands page is at MJ's Hemp, and we do uh, CBD pre rolls. Sorry, had a phone call. You're gonna order you twenty
0: thousand. Yeah, if you're gonna order twenty thousand, just give them a heads up.
4: You know, just <laughs> yeah, just give, need... give me definitely give me some heads up. Uh, but we package everything in either hemp paper packaging. Uh, we have five packs of half gram joints. We have full grams in uh, hemp plastic tubes. And so, if uh, sustainably packaged hemp packaged um, products is something you're interested in, then that's what we offer there. Uh, famous Shoes Company, we are located inside of the storefront called the Reup Station. It's on the northeast side of San Antonio. So, if you're in the San Antonio area, you can come walk in. And uh, pick up some bottles of juice. Learn about the zero waste li- lifestyle. We also have flour in our pre rolls there as well. If you want to see it, touch it, uh, check it out before. Oh, yeah. oh dude, then,
0: dude. Um, a- a- Amos Amos brought a huge jug of flour to EarthX before it was even a thing, and I was like, dude, we're here with. You. He's like, I just want these people to touch it. I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> like, you know, dude,
4: it was- <laughs> that that EarthX event was epic, and that was one of the first larger events that we went to, and was like. I don't really know if we should be doing this, but like, we're going to do it. You weren't scared.
0: <laughs> you weren't scared. That was still early on, but we appreciate you coming on Leah. You tell us what's good. Then we'll finish up with you, Greg.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Guys, you can follow him tours on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Um, want to also say a shout out to these two they have amazing podcasts, the to be blunt and eat plants move off often. Mm-hmm. We also have a podcast, Texas hemp party, uh, that's mm-hmm. weekly. So we're going to keep you covered on all the great podcasts about Texas hemp. And if you want to check that course out that Dalton is starring in, go to hempbusinessbuilder.com, click all courses. You'll see the industry Networking we'll there. course there. I think on the bottom, right.
0: We'll share it. We're going to blow that out soon to be just continue and greg finish us out strong man holding it down there for farm labs california we miss you here in texas <laughs> we're gonna need to it's a little cold in here i'm gonna bring a jacket next time I'll, so <laughs> I'll, be, uh,
2: I'll be coming in texas about a week i should be about a week or so in dallas but yeah we're just again happy to help serve the state of texas and um i think we have you know one of the best labs in the area we've got all brand new equipment great staff and really excited to like get working on some of the problems and finding solutions and um you know get getting the best products we can out of, out of the state and um yeah just look forward to working with everybody and um, meeting all the the new manufacturing companies that are they're coming online as well we're getting a lot of calls and questions about the new rules and regulations so um look, look forward to texas and its launch
0: let's let's make it happen i appreciate everybody for joining and uh call your call your neighborhood farm labs they they answer they're great people up here every time they're very welcoming awesome awesome to see so we'll see you guys soon check out the farm labs instagram and facebook page for more updates and uh we'll see you guys soon
5: thanks guys y'all later thank
4: you bye guys